Thank you for listening to a podcast of Rock Church. For more information on sermons and events, connect with us online at rockchurchnow.com or search Rock Church Now in the App Store. Good morning, everyone. Please turn or tap into your Bibles at 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. We're going to camp there this morning. Uh, As mentioned earlier, we are continuing the series on Circles of Grace. And if you recall, the first message Pastor Angelo talked about was the need to embrace grace. And he emphasized instead of fighting or rejecting God's grace, we need to accept and embrace God's grace. Amen? And then the second message was errors about grace. And in that message, Pastor informed us that God's commands help us from falling into spiritual lawlessness. And his whole point was when we understand God's grace, it keeps us from being too liberal spiritually. It keeps us on track, in other words. And then last week, he shared about encounters with grace, how we need more grace encounters in our lives. I loved what he said um, When he emphasized, look, for some of us who've been serving Jesus a long time, it's great that you have grace encounters from the past, but we need new grace encounters with God all the time. We can't be settled in, oh yeah, I had a few encounters back then. We need more encounters with God today. And then today, the fourth circle that we're going to talk about is empowered by grace, empowered by grace. Okay, I think you're probably there in Corinthians. Let me read this passage, because if you're taking notes, this is letter A in your notes, I want to talk about the passage. And so let's read this together. To keep from being conceited, because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, Now, this is Paul writing, of course. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul went on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why. For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, come on, read it with me, then I am strong. So let's look at this passage a little more. Verse 7, it fairly, very clearly states, Paul said why he was given a thorn in the flesh. And he was given a thorn to keep him from being conceited. Now, if you read the whole context of 2 Corinthians, especially uh, chapters 10 and 11 in Corinthians, Paul is dealing, the Corinthians are starting to follow these false teachers and apostles, and these false teachers and apostles keep bragging about their revelations. Oh, God showed me. God told me. And so Paul is making an argument that, look, You want to talk about great revelations, I've had great revelations. 
but to keep me from being conceited about those like these false apostles, God gave me a thorn to keep me humble. For over 2,000 years, there has been much speculation about Paul's thorn in the flesh. Literally hundreds of books written on what was Paul's thorn in the flesh. So let me just settle this now. There is simply insufficient data to know what his thorn was. It could have been an emotional issue based on the Greek word flesh that is used. You know, he gave a thorn in my flesh. It could have been an emotional issue. It could have been opposition to his ministry or his message. It could have been a physical ailment. In fact, the last two possibilities, just read 2 Corinthians 11, <laughs> where Paul describes how he was given five times 40 minus one lashes. Now, if you do the math, that's how many lashes? Times five. Thank you very much. A lot. Can you imagine being lashed that time? Do you think you might have a physical malady after you've been whipped five times? 195 lashes. But then he goes and talks about how he was stoned, how he's been in hunger. Yeah, he might have a physical malady. But the point is we don't know. We don't know what he had. But I think the lack of information in the vague wording Paul uses here in this passage, I can understand why God made it vague. And it's because of this. If, if Paul had named the specific thorn, then Christians for generations who did not have that thorn would say, oh, this doesn't apply to me because I don't have that problem. So I can ignore this passage. It doesn't apply to me. And the flip side of that is the ones who did have that exact thorn, they could possibly use it to see, well, Paul had it. I do too. I guess I'm just made to suffer. And they would settle for the status quo instead of believing God for a miracle of healing or deliverance. So God in his wisdom, knowing humankind, wisely just gave Paul a thorn in the flesh and we don't know what it is. That way, this passage could apply to anybody, anytime, going through a difficulty or an issue that has not been removed from your life. So you got a thorn? Great! And you'll see why I say that. So hold on to that thought. Verse 8. Whatever the thorn was, Paul pleaded with the Lord to take it away from him three times. Three times he pleaded, and that word is very specific, pleaded. He begged, he, he cried out, he did everything to ask God to remove it. Now notice what uh, Paul is saying here, to his first and second prayer, no answer came. But after the third time, an answer came. An answer to the prayer. Now the answer is probably not what Paul wanted to hear. But it changed his perspective on how he looked at God and his grace. Let me just take a little pause there because I'm going to hit this several times. You may be praying for something specific from God, 
And you may not get the answer you want, but the purpose is to change your perspective of God and his grace. So God declared to Paul, his answer to his prayer, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Now it's noteworthy that Paul emphasizes how he pled his case to God and God denied Paul's request to remove this thorn that tormented him. Instead, he allowed Paul to continue to experience this thorn. But notice the difference. God emphasized, Paul emphasized the pleading to take away and God emphasized that he would be there. He would be there. Man, we sang about it today more than once. He would be there. God's grace empowered Paul to trust God and submit to God's will. So that's the passage. Now I'd like to look at the promise in the passage. Letter B, if you're taking notes. The promise in the passage for Paul, and I think we can apply to our lives today, is my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's the promise. Look at verse 9. God promised Paul he would find God's power through his grace. Now again, grace means God's undeserved, 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 let me throw in unearned love and mercy. That's grace. So what God is telling Paul here is because of, because of the grace and, or the mercy and the love I have for you because you didn't deserve it or earn it, just because I have it for you, my power will be made perfect when you're weak. Romans 8 tells us, see, I think, this promise became so much a part of Paul's life that later on Paul wrote in Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Come on, I, I know our world has lost its mind. And we should not be surprised by this. The more people that don't follow Jesus, the more people who don't, who do things on their own, the crazier the world's going to get. And you might be sitting here this morning going, look, people are on strike, inflation is out of control, there's trouble in, not just in the Middle East, but all over the world. When is it going to end? Let me encourage you. It may not. Now, I say that funny, but I say it seriously. If you really believe what the Bible says about the end times, it may not get any better. And you're probably sitting here frustrated, angry, a little scared because what is going on? It 
doesn't really matter what's going on. My grace is sufficient for you. We sang about how he's going to be there. He's not going to leave us. Now we either believe that or let's quit singing it. Let's live it or quit singing it. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of you being insulted. There is nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Paul said, I will boast in my weakness so his power may rest. Now, let me get a little geeky here. Where it says may rest, that word rest in the original language, thank you, is a compound verb, and this is what it means, to fix a tent over. Yeah, think about that. When we are going through the difficulties and, and we need to just rest in his grace, that rest is like Jesus is saying, I will camp over you like you're in a tent. That's how we can be empowered by grace. Look at verse 10. Paul now knows. (laughs) Yeah, Paul learned lessons. And God taught him a lesson in this passage. And now in verse 10, Paul now knows that the power and the grace of Christ rest on him in his weaknesses. Now, Paul goes on then in the rest of this passage to apply what he just learned. So verses 11 and 12, he really, he gets it now. And because he knows, okay, God, I get it. You are there in my weaknesses. He applies it to other areas of his life. Because look, he goes on to say, when I am weak, then I am strong. So what Paul went through helps us today understand how human weakness can be the fertile ground for God to come through and show his power. I can't tell you how many people from pre-service prayer to praying right before the service have been praying for this very thing. This very thing here, that God would show up. Each one of you needs an encounter with God for your particular thorn. There's not one thorn that everybody has and there's not one solution. But it doesn't matter because God can come up in your situation and empower you with his grace to get you through. You see, the Lord has more need of our weaknesses than our strength. Our strength can be his rival, but our weaknesses can be his servant. He may not always get glory out of our strength, because we can boast in what we did. But when we're weak and we have to admit we're weak and when we have to cry out for his help, he gets the glory. That's why we have on our wall, one of our vision statements, that God alone is our dependency. That's the kind of place we dream of here at Rock Church, that God alone is our dependency. And I've said this before, it won't be the government, it won't be the economics of this country that, are, that we need to depend on. I was going to say, well, never mind, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Suffice to say, our dependency is on God alone. 
So with the spiritual lesson learned, Paul gladly boasts in his weaknesses. And look what he lists. Insults. Any of you living for Jesus been insulted, especially recently? If you haven't been, you might not be doing your job. I'm just saying. I'm not saying go out and be a Christian jerk. I'm just saying the more we talk about Jesus, the more people don't like to hear that. So insults, hardships. Anybody going through a hardship right now? Wow, only three people and four people in this whole room? Wow, praise God, he's doing better at this. Why am I even preaching this message then? How many of you are going through persecutions or difficulties? What would you say is your current struggle or thorn? What, what right now is your struggle or thorn? Do you or will you gladly boast about your thorn and weakness? Like Paul did? Now, not in the sense of complaining, right? We have those chronic complainers that are like, complainers that are like Eeyore, right? We'll never make it. We're all going to die. Everything is horrible. It's all horrible. It's everything. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, do you boast that like, look, I can't figure this out. God's got to come through for me. That kind of admitting it. You see, it wasn't the weaknesses themselves. It wasn't the thorn itself that Paul took delight in, but in the opportunity, the thorn and the difficulties provided. Because it wasn't just an opportunity for him. It was for opportunity for God to show himself. Not just to Paul, but get this, when God delivers you from a difficulty and you start talking about it to other people, God gets the glory. So be grateful for the, the difficulty. See, God is there somewhere. Now, you, you may be singing, you, you're talking about God's there in my difficulties. I don't see him. Believe me, he is there somewhere. You just got to find him. You've got to find what he wants from you. That's what Paul did. Paul had a thorn. He knew God was there. He pleaded, and God said, I'm there. My grace is sufficient. You just can't give up until you get a hold of God in your difficulty. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep believing until God answers you. I know there used to be this teaching in the church, you know, not too long ago, that if you ask God for something more than once, it shows you don't have enough faith. And I used to always point to this passage and go, well, wait, you're telling me Paul doesn't have enough faith? And by the way, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed three times, telling me Jesus didn't have enough faith because he asked multiple times. No. Sometimes God wants you to dig in. He wants you to ask. He wants you to plead because he can teach you something when you do. If you pray once and give up, you're going to miss an opportunity. Okay, I didn't mean to share that, but you needed to hear it. God gives us grace either to deliver us or get us through. That's the empowerment of his grace. He will deliver us in our difficulty or he will get us through. We can trust him, his purposes, and his process. You see, grace is how God responds to our failures. Now, you might have been brought up to think God responds in anger at our failures. 
But God responds with grace. And the grace is always there when we ask. See, I've learned over the years, I'm not saying this is, well, I can find biblical passages for this. I'm not saying this is directly from the Bible, but I have found over the years that law is for the proud and grace is for the humble. If we are proud, prideful in our approach to God, or we can do, you know, what we can do and all that, God can't do anything with that. But God gives grace to the humble. Humility attracts the presence of God. So when we acknowledge our needs, humility attracts the presence of God. I also put in your notes there, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Uh, You won't see the whole thing, but let me read this quickly. This is why Paul also wrote, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. So let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's the empowering of grace. Come to his throne boldly. In our time of need, because his grace and mercy will be there. That leads to letter C in your notes. So we talked about the passage. We talked about the promise in the passage. Now let's look at the principles in this passage that we can apply. Number one, there is grace to get through. There is grace to get through. And you may be saying, to get through what? Whatever your thorn or difficulty is, there is grace to get through. And with that grace comes his power. You see, I think today, many Christians, including Christian leaders, are overwhelmed by the challenges that are hitting us. And I think one of the causes of us being overwhelmed is that we've kind of raised a generation, at least in this society, a generation of followers of Jesus who expect excitement or a quick fix. I don't think they did it intentionally. I think they wanted to emphasize trust in God. He will come through. But I think the converse to that is it's created this culture of, hey, everybody, just be excited all the time. Woohoo! it's exciting. I'm tired of using the word excited. Just notice how many times people say that. And then to add super, we're super excited. Excited isn't enough. We're over the top, excited. You know what? Sometimes following Jesus isn't exciting. Right? And if we convey this idea that you should, oh, you should be excited, go in your devotional time because it's exciting. You know what? I don't know about you, but sometimes I drag myself into my devotional time. Excited or quick fixes. And I think as a result, the church lacks the discipline and the training to handle thorns and difficulties. And we're lost when we hit them. Wait, I'm having a difficulty. I have This shouldn't be happening. Followers of Jesus don't have a difficulty. What am I doing wrong? Where's my quick fix? Can somebody please text the pastor? Or where is it on Rock's website, instant deliverance from difficulties? You won't find it because you won't find it in the Bible. Excitement or quick fixes are not enough to prepare for battle. 
And those who've gone through the armed forces, they're trained. They understand that the purpose of a boot camp and other training is to raise a recruit's tolerance for adversity. Why? So they'll be ready for the grueling rigors of combat. What does that have to do with us? We are in a spiritual war. Pastor Angelo has said this multiple times. Wake up, you're in a war. We are in a war. And we, that means we are in training constantly so that God could help us get ready for adversity to learn how to fight in the battle. The time of celebrating is going to come in due season, but first the soldier must spend their time being trained. And I think sometimes we go through difficulties because that is the training ground of God to help you to be ready for battle, to learn what adversity is like and trust him through it. God empowers us through his grace to get through anything, anything, anything we face. Now, sometimes that's difficult. But for our sake, let me say that again, but for our sake, he doesn't allow us to bypass the difficulties. Now, sometimes you'll get delivered and sometimes you won't. But whether you're delivered or not, you got to trust God that he knows what's best for you. He promises us to accompany us on the journey if he's going to take us through it. You know, the young recruit in the military is not exempt from cuts and bruises. But they have a first aid kit and they have a hospital. And the same is true for us. He does not ever promise that if you follow him, you're not going to go through difficulties. But you know what? He's got a church. He's got a church for you where you circle up and you get in a group, you attend a church, you invite people to church, and you join a team. Because when you're going through adversity and you get cuts and bruises, that's why you need to be in a circle. Otherwise, you're limping alone on the battlefield. See, if we are prepared people for the process of going through difficulties, we won't be so bewildered when we find ourselves faced with difficulties. God's grace teaches us how to respond when the answer we expect is delayed or when God denies our petition and gives us a different direction. Let me give you some examples of God's grace empowering people. We've sung this song before. It's one of our favorites. There are three in the fire. And you know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made a decision that meant they were going to get thrown into a furnace. Now, we know the end of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, but those three, they had no idea what was going to happen to them other than they were going to give up their lives because they refused to bow down. That's all they knew. Put yourself in their place. All they knew was bow down and not worship God, worship something else. And they chose not to, knowing the consequences. Because they knew whatever the difficulty was going to be, God would get them through. And their punishment was to be thrown into a furnace. 
Did God deliver them from the furnace? He did, but first they had to get in it. God didn't save them for the furnace. They had to go in it, then receive their deliverance. Do you get the connection? We may go through difficulties. God can deliver you, but you may have to go through them. Don't expect to avoid them. Because there was a fourth in the fire, right? He will be with you. Let me give you another example. The one we just shared today, Paul having a thorn. Look, he was flogged. He was stoned. He was imprisoned. He's been shipwrecked. He's constantly facing opposition from false teachers and um, false prophets. He's trying to love all these churches he planted, and some of the churches don't like him very much. Talk about a difficulty. You led them to Jesus, and now they don't like you. Welcome to the ministry. But Paul learned this lesson that God would be with him, and God was right up till the end. How about the disciples? While we know from church history, we don't know in the Bible, but all we know through church history is the 11, ultimately the 12, not including Judas. As far as we know, all of them were martyred for the gospel. Not, except for John, take that back. John is the only one not martyred. So think of that. Oh, wait, if, what about the, the closest people to Jesus? They must have experienced deliverance. I'm sure they did, but ultimately they gave their lives. And I believe like Stephen, God saw him through. Remember when Stephen got stoned? What happened to him? God lets him see heaven. But God got Stephen through that. And lastly, and this should just kind of settle the whole thing, but that's why I put him last. Jesus himself. Again, I, I go back to referencing Gethsemane. Jesus is like, look, I'm paraphrasing, but look, if, Father, if there's another way than me going to the cross, could you just, let's execute plan B. And three times he asked him, three times. If the Son of God struggled through his difficulty and yet submitted himself to God's will, knowing this was it, God the Son trusted God the Father to get him through. If Jesus had to do that, what keeps us from realizing God can get us through? So here's another principle from this passage. Number two, there is personalized grace. See, there is special grace available to empower you in your difficulty when you really need that grace. James chapter 1 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now that word face means when they pop up in front of you. It's literally, I didn't see it coming and wham, I got hit with a difficulty or a trial. He goes on to say, because you know that the testing, I like to say, of your trusting develops perseverance. The testing of your trusting develops perseverance. So don't be surprised when wham, difficulty, you should not go, oh my gosh, difficulty. You should go, oh, yeah, I was told there'd be difficulties. Here it is. I know how to respond. Come on, that's the sign of maturity. Oh, yeah, I heard there's going to be difficulties. No problem. Now I just got to figure out what God wants me to do in the difficulty. 
Boy, that really applies for today, right? What's going on in the world? People freaking out? Oh, yeah, God said that people would freak out. All right, so what does God want me to do now through the freak out? I can't believe I said freak out. Come outside. Jeez. But here's the point. It is grace for the moment of need, and therefore, get this, it is grace for the moment of need, therefore it cannot be stored up or saved. I don't know about you, but I can look back in my life and see like, how come, how come the testing of my trusting gets more difficult every time? And then it hit me this morning while we're praying is like, what's the expectation? Like, I'm, I'm just gonna have the same level of difficulty every time? Is that my expectation? Like, oh, I saw this problem before, I know how to handle it. Look, if I'm being prepared for battle, that means I have to get stronger. You know, when you work out to get stronger, what do you have to do after a certain period of time lifting weights? You gotta increase the weight or the number of reps because your body will get used to that level. So we should not be surprised if, if difficulties come, it won't be the same as the time before because God is growing you up and he's going, look, my son and daughter can handle a tougher difficulty. They're growing up. But that grace can't be stored or saved. It's new every time. But it is personalized for you. It's tailored for you to meet that specific need. Look, this example that we're reading about today, God gave Paul a personalized grace, an anointing, if you will, a grace to get him through, the power to get him through. As far as we know, no one else had this grace to endure what Paul endured. The same is true for your difficulty. It'll be personalized for you. So let me share a couple tidbits here. You may have special grace to go through something that others simply do not have the grace to handle. Now think about that because that implies some things. Like, for example, some of you have the grace to lead a life group. And thank you for doing that. Some of you have the grace to do it. Because God called you, you answered, his anointing will be there, even though leading a life groups is difficult. Okay, life group leaders, that was your opportunity to say amen, but I'm glad you showed matur- maturity and didn't. But you have a grace that no one else has, even in your own group, because you're the leader. Some of you have special grace for the family situations you have to deal with. I, I hear some of the stuff for your families and I go, how in the world are you handling that? And I could tell you stories of my family that you'd go, what? <laughs> how can you handle that? Because I'm in that situation and God gives me the grace to get through. Same for you. Some of you are in work situations that I can't fathom ever being a part of. Some of you, the difficulties you have to handle in your workplace is just astounding. But God has graced you to be in that place at that time. And I know some of you might be going, God, get me out of this job. And you've probably pled more than three times, like Paul, right? Show of hands. Anybody pled more than three times 
God get me out of this job, right? Did God deliver you? If he did, praise God. If God didn't deliver you, praise God. He's graced you to get through. So instead of focusing on, I want out of here, focus on God, what do you want me to do while you have me here? I was debating about this one, but I'm going to share it anyway. Move it on. Some of you are graced to be married to the people you're married to. When the rest of us go, I don't know how you do that. It's the grace. It's the grace to go through, right? Spouses, quit elbowing your spouse. If you've been led by God to where you are now, I don't care what the where you are now is, if you've been led by God to get there, then the grace of and power of God, in fact, God himself is there to get you through. So be cautious. Here's why I say this. Be cautious with those who advise us not to endure things that God has graced you to undergo. Let, let me back up. Let me go to the marriage thing. There are people giving you marriage advice that they don't understand because they don't have the grace to go through what you're going through. So take the advice carefully. Now, just because they're not going through it doesn't mean they don't have something good to say. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But sometimes have people have quick answers to your situation because they're giving it from their situation and they haven't been graced to deal with what you deal with. So take the advice. There's always wisdom in listening to advice and then say, God, does this apply to me? Are they right? Is this what I should do? I don't know. But don't constantly run to people and ask their opinion for something they're not graced to handle. In fact, if they're really a good counselor, they're just going to challenge you to what is God showing you in the midst? What does God want you to do? In other words, don't quit when God wants you to stay. Don't deliver yourself out when God wants you to go through. We say that again, don't deliver yourself out when God wants you to go through. Because if you deliver yourself out, God's going to bring you right back around. He said, look, you ran a little soon on that one. Let's, let's do this one again, all right? I'm trying to teach you a lesson. Let's do this one again. Sometimes people cannot imagine enduring the challenge that is before us, so they urge us to give up. But when you're confronted with a dilemma that seems to demand more of you than you can endure, consider this. Before seeking the counsel of people not graced to handle the thorn that you face, and before you run, ask God to remove the thorn. And if he doesn't, thank him for trusting you with this thorn. Then rely on his grace to empower you for what he's giving you to do. All right, number three. There are other principles from this passage, just quickly. Letter A, spiritual blessings are more important than physical ones. Sometimes our thorn is a physical malady and we want deliverance. But sometimes more than getting a physical healing is the spiritual lessons you're going to learn through it. 
And the people watching you are going to go, wow, look at that Christian handle their illness, their malady better than I've seen any non-Christian handle. Guess who gets the glory? Right? Letter B, there is grace provided even when prayer is not answered. Grace provided when prayer is not answered. Sometimes we get a greater blessing when God does not answer our prayers. And in the face of an unanswered prayer, God empowers us with grace to keep us praying, keep us trusting, keep us fasting. There is a blessing in unanswered prayer. By the way, God always answers prayers. Always. Yes, no, not yet. Or silence. Believe it or not, silence is an answer. Not a negative answer. It's an answer. It might be that we are asking the wrong questions. And God's not going to respond until we hit on the right one. That's why we need to continue to pray through the difficulty. Everybody could stand. I want to end this reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Because I want to end this reassuring you again, there is grace and power to meet every need. And there's grace and power to meet every need in this place today. And I don't say that because you're in a church. I say that because Jesus is here. Because God is here. You could be in your garage and the grace and the power to meet your need is in your garage. Because Jesus is there. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So then all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning and you have a thorn, I hope if you didn't get it, you get it now, that God offers mind-boggling grace to you. And sometimes the greater the attack, the greater the challenge, the greater the disappointment, the greater his grace becomes. So you might be a follower here of Jesus and you are feeling weary, you're feeling tired, you're feeling like, God, I don't know if I can do this one more day. His grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Let me encourage you not to get up, but to come and plead another time with God. Come and plead and say, God, deliver me. But if you don't, I submit to you, but get me through this in the only way you can. So until God does deliver you, until then, don't flinch from the trial you face. Let me encourage you, just remain humble. If it doesn't allow you to escape it, if he doesn't allow you to escape it, he will give you grace to get through it. So if you're a follower of Jesus today and you'd say, man, I got a thorn, I got a difficulty, I have asked God to take, get rid of it, 
either I haven't gotten an answer or he's told me to go through, but I'm really having a hard time going through, then I'm going to ask you to come this morning for prayer. Now, if you're here as a follower of Jesus, you want someone to pray for you, come over to my left, your right. But if you're just like, no, I just need to be alone and pray with God one more time, then I'm going to ask you to come and spend time alone with God. I'm going to ask you to come now. Like, don't wait for the music. You're a follower of Jesus and you're like, man, I need, I need God's grace. I really needed to hear that I needed to stay with it. Then come. And while they're coming, if you're not a follower of Jesus, let me encourage you, no matter what you are facing today, you can boldly approach God because of his grace. You may think, thinking, look, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but you don't know how bad of a person I am. God knows, and he still wants to give you grace. He still has grace for you. He still wants to show you his uh, undeserved love and mercy toward you. So if you are not a follower of Jesus, today is the day you can find him, you can find his grace, you can find his power. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe there's a difficulty you're going through, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Well, God is here today saying, if you admit you're weak, I will come through with my strength. So if you're here today, and you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior because you haven't done it yet, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand wherever you're at, even if you're, you're at the platform here. Anybody today, you realize, I've ignored God and his grace and I need it today. And God, and God you're even just struggling inside because you're knowing that you're going, I know I should raise my hand, I know I should raise my hand. Don't give in to the fear. Just know this is a place that celebrates people who give their lives to Jesus. This is the safest place you can be if you're worried about what people think. Is there anybody here today that goes, I need to make that step today. I need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Anybody? Okay. I know people like to say, well, that means everybody's saved. I think that what it means is maybe everybody is, but maybe there's people not really willing to make that commitment yet, and that's okay. But we're going to close in a word of prayer and the worship team's going to lead us. And I say, even if you didn't come up front, don't rush out these doors. Just take a minute to whatever small or big or whatever you need to give to God, take a moment to not only worship him, but to pray and ask God to set you free. Heavenly Father, man, do we need you. Man, do we need you. Especially if we have the attitude of, no, I can handle this without God. I've done it before. Lord, break us of our pride. Keep us in a place of humility. Keep us in a place of resilience and sensitivity and flexibility with you to be ready to adjust and move. Especially toward other people that will allow us to minister to and be there for other people even when we're going through difficulty. God, show yourself mighty today, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. That concludes this week's podcast. To stay up to date with all things Rock Church, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as Rock Church MI.